Pastor Dan began by telling us of evangelism and looking for the things that break the heart of God. To realize that when we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, we will embark within those situations to notice that people are perishing, to acknowledge the hurting, to recognize the lost, and to share with them the love of Jesus Christ in word and in deed, so that they may experience life in Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Paul took us into looking at the components of salvation, the process of the coming uh, to a personal faith in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, the great work of God on our behalf, that we might have a life with Him forever, and to realize our place in heaven. Today I want to look and explore and practice, uh, how does salvation work? So we're going to do a bit of a, a workshop together today. We're going to hear a testimony from Catherine. And she's going to come and illustrate for us the power of God when it is shared in a story to those around us, that lives are changed. We're going to look at some tools that can introduce opportunities for sharing our story with others. And when we do this, some of you are going to go, oh man, that's so cool. And some of you are going to go, "Uh, not on your life. That's the workshop part. But we're going to explore different things. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take a stroll down a Roman road to once again affirm in our own hearts our relationship with Jesus Christ and for those who are seeking and exploring to provide the opportunity for you too to question and acknowledge where God can be in your life. And then finally today, as you see with the elements, we are practicing communion. And we do this regularly, not because it's, it's a, uh, a mandated thing. Oh, first Sunday of the month, I guess we better do something. But we do it in fulfillment of Scripture where it says, Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. So we gather together to remember the work of Jesus Christ in our heart, who came, who lived, who died, who rose again, taking upon himself our sins, those things that separate us from the love of God, that when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we are saved. And we do that and we recognize that just as Jesus was alive, just as he actually died and rose again, we see these elements in front of us, these symbols in front of us. And just as he once lived, he lives now in us as we allow him in and give our lives to him. So that's the fourth part. All of this is rooted in what some have called Christ's commission. In Luke chapter 4, we're given a few verses that Jesus takes from Isaiah, and here he outlines for us what it means to be like Jesus. We've heard at times those famous words, Oh, to be like Jesus. And Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 tell us that, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus says. And in this, he is recognizing and inviting a personal relationship with God. That we, like him, 
must have a relationship with God which is life-changing, eternal. He has anointed me, Christ says. The calling we receive is the calling, the invitation from God himself when Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and find rest for your souls. To come and experience the touch of God, to proclaim good news. To realize that this, this story of change is now our story to share with others, in word and in deed. Well, I have the privilege of introducing for you Catherine Bushhouse, who is a missionary with Coastal Mission. This past week, I, had, uh, the, I went down to visit their office, and they have an office in Shemanus. And so uh, if you're ever down that way and you want to pop in, please do that. I was t- informed this morning that no one's around on Thursdays. So don't do it Thursdays. But other days, pop in and see what they're doing. And I, I, I learned a, a, a number of things this past week. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, what a great week. Um, I, I learned that, that there have been coastal missionaries going up and down uh, all through B.C. coasts uh, for over 125 years. Just amazing. Different groups spreading the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, into communities, into hamlets, into individual uh, places for, for such a long time. I was aware of the Shantymen. The Shantymen is an organization, a faith-based organization, where uh, people go into remote communities and there they establish churches. And they've been doing that for years. And Coastal Mission is an offshoot of the Shantymen, and they're focusing their ministry with the boat. Uh, Good news messenger, right? Coastal Messenger. Coastal Messenger. Oh, man, I was so close. Coastal Messenger. Is it on? Yeah, okay. Coastal Messenger. And... um, and they go into communities and, and they meet individuals uh, and, and they share with them what? Well, we share with them a really simple story. It's really the story, the eternal story of God's love. And when we go into a place in the coastal messenger, which is affectionately known on the coast in some places as the cookie messenger, the first thing we share is hospitality with the people we meet. So we might tie up in a place and, oh, there's someone walking by in the dock. In the first year, it might just be a little, hello, how's the fishing, something like that. The next year, it might be, oh, yeah, we saw you here last year. Yeah, do you want to come aboard for coffee? On the coast, coffee is synonymous with hospitality. So come aboard for coffee. And as soon as you step aboard the coastal messenger, it's a different world. It's warm instead of being rainy. Now, Tunis Westbrook will know just what I mean about this, Um, this bright. And there's a whole team of people there with laughter and joy and their cookies in the oven. So you sit down at the galley table and you enjoy a cup of coffee. Well, the next year it might be dinner. Um, come aboard and share a meal. And there's something about sharing a meal together. Well, you've noticed that so far the story has had no words, the story of God's love. It's just in actions. And people coming aboard, they can't miss it. They can't miss God's love in us to them. And they can't miss God's love in us to each other. Yesterday I was thinking about Psalm 126 where it says, The Lord has done great things among us. And because of that, our mouths are filled with laughter and our hearts with joy. And people see that. And, and it makes a difference. And eventually, they might ask, So I was wondering about 
Jesus or, you know, the way you speak about the Lord because it's obviously very real to us, our relationship with the Lord. And then we can share with them that they can have that same very real relationship. So the story is quite simple. It's one of love. It's shown in our actions. And then sometimes we have the chance to share it in words. And we also have Bibles aboard the Coastal Messenger, which have a picture of the vessel on it. And they're in easy-to-read English, so that if you haven't had very much education, you can read the Word of God. And so we leave that with people who are interested so that they can learn God's story through His Word. And, and not only do you, do you visit with people, but I, you, you shared with me some more stories last week about uh, what goes on after those visits. Maybe explain a little bit about that. Right. So I'm in training right now in Shemanis, which is where our, the Coastal Missions base is. And there, all the behind-the-scenes work for the vessel takes place, which includes writing a lot of letters. We write to over 3,000 people in a year. So you do the math of how many letters a day, and that's one of my jobs. So <laughs> um, birthdays, anniversaries, get well cards, um, congratulations on your baby, you name it, we keep in contact with the people on the coast because we only visit face-to-face once a year. And here in town, we think, once a year? Like, how, how are you being faithful to discipling the people on the coast if you only visit once a year? But on the coast, time is different. And if you visited more than once a year, they'd look at you and say, Uh, what's wrong with me? Why do you think you have to come and fix me? Like, why are you here again? So once a year is good face-to-face, and then we send birthday letters. And some people, it's the only birthday card they'll get. They might live a long way away from anybody. They're definitely out of the reach of a local church and maybe even out of touch with their closest neighbor. And so that's their birthday card, and they'll save it. And when we see them the next year... There it will be, sitting in their little home, which might not be more than what we would think of as a shack or a cabin or something quite humble, but that just means a lot to them. And those little things can make all the difference in that person's life. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I also uh, was introduced to with Coastal Mission is that as a faith-based organization, those who participate are not on salary, but all their needs are met. And, uh, and, and all of their living accommodations and everything like that are taken care of. And, and so they participate in a, in a very uh, clear example of what it means to depend on God for his leading, for his sustaining, and also what it means to depend on one another. Because, uh, you know, when you're cooped up in a boat, uh, you can't go for a walk around the block if you're suddenly feeling upset with somebody. So uh, they really practice what they're preaching. And, um, Unity of the Spirit, it's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a great thing. Well, I'm gonna, you, you might uh, uh, want to talk with Catherine later, but she's not going to be here. Uh, she's, gonna, she's got another commitment. The Coastal Mission is doing another presentation up uh, Down Island. Down Island? Yeah, yeah down. down. Duncan. Island. <laughs> right. So uh, they're going to be gone, but uh, stop in at Shimanus and see the wonderful people there. Uh, Can I interject? Uh, sure. Lots of you will be connected to the internet in this wonderful day and age. www.coastalmissions, coastal missions, it's what we are, it's what we're called, really simple, .ca, and there's the contact information, so just come by and visit. Mm-hmm, and it seems the coffee is always on. 
so that's always a good thing, too. I'm going to pray for Catherine and, uh, and just bless your work. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Catherine. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on her life to realize that, that uh, all her needs are met in you, that your strength is her strength, that your provision is sufficient. And Father, as you continue to lead her, Lord, fill her with uh, the knowledge necessary to operate a boat and the machinery uh, associated with that. Continue to give her sensitivity to people around her. And uh, the Father, continue to bless her and lead her. And may your face shine on her as she does your calling and bidding in her life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Catherine. Jesus, in his commission, says, Proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. Well, how do people know that they are captive? How do they know they are blind unless someone goes and tells them? It's it's interesting that, that when it comes to speaking of our faith, when it comes to speaking of God's work in our life, I don't know about you, but I get tongue-tied, you know? And suddenly my hands start getting sweaty, and, and, and I just start thinking, ooh, what am I going to say? Well, you might be thinking, well, it's easy for you because you're a pastor, right? Well, have you ever known how, how great a conversation killer that is? What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh. Love those Canucks. <laughs> and then if, if, if someone follows that, that up with another question, so what does that mean? I do funerals. <laughs> you thinking of dying? So we all get sweaty palms. We all get, you know, tight collars. It's, it's one of these things which is just a challenge to have these conversations. In your bulletin, I've had reprinted a questionnaire that uh, was introduced to me from the, the Hindmans. Now, God is calling them in their, when they travel around with their RV uh, to have a sense of boldness and, and uh, a sense of being comfortable approaching people with this questionnaire. And just saying, do you got a few moments? Can I talk with you? Can, uh, can you just go through this questionnaire with me? And they've had phenomenal success of watching lives changed and people open up their hearts to talking about God. When I was in Bible school, we had a similar questionnaire that we took with us when we did uh, open-air evangelism. And it was just a, a, a little brochure that we would hand out or a little card that we would use to simply get the conversation started. Well, you might say, well, what... What is my story? What kind of testimony do I have? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reveals for us our testimony. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your way or He will make your path straight. Trust God to realize that God is trustworthy. Lean not on your own understanding, that we can depend upon God. In all your ways acknowledge Him, that God guides us, and that He will make our paths straight, that we will find security in God. God is trustworthy. God is dependable. God is able to lead, and God is able to sustain. And when we see these interwoven in our lives, we have hooks 
on which to tell our story. Yes, God is trustworthy because of this. God is dependable because he took me through this situation. God is able to lead. I was fearful, now I'm at peace. God is able to sustain. I know who holds my hand. When we were, in, when we were living in, in Lithuania, we were missionaries there for six years, and, and one of the things our organization uh, was generous about is every couple of years they took us out to a gathering where we met other missionaries. And I remember one time meeting a missionary who was working and planting a church in Dresden, uh, Germany. Dresden was a city that was devastated during the war, and, and he was a German. He had been born in Germany and then lived in Canada for many years, and so he spoke the language, he understood the culture, and yet when he went back to the city, it was a challenge for him to engage conversation and, and engage God talks to allow people the privilege of exploring who Christ could be for their lives. And then one day as he was, as he was in uh, meditating and talking with God, God impressed upon his heart to try something. To try to wear a crucifix. A nice size one. Well, you've got to realize that, that Mennonites aren't very comfortable doing that kind of thing. I mean, we're, we're really comfortable wearing Nike swooshes or DC or little alligators. But a cross... Ooh. Well, he did. And not knowing what to expect or not knowing what to do, he, uh, he bravely ventured forth one day to a coffee shop and sat down and, and started having coffee and, and his breakfast when suddenly someone sat across the table from him and began to pour out their heart on the hurts and the need for God. And they left and another person came and it went on all day like that. And he said every time he went to a coffee shop and sat down, there would be people waiting to come and talk to him. God had opened up people's hearts. And he would ask them, and he says, why are you talking to me? And they would say, obviously you are a man of God with peace with God. And I want that. Now I'm not suggesting for a moment that we all rush out and get giant crucifixes. But I am suggesting that when we are sensitive to the leading of God, He will bring to mind things that will help us initiate a conversation to proclaim the things that are lying on our heart, the things that are important to us. Men who are part of the Gideon organization have a little lapel uh, pin that they often wear that, that indicates their trust and leading of God and helps open up conversation. What is it that can open up a conversation for you? Well, I've often worked with kids. And in kids' ministry, we used to do uh, uh, wordless books and, and would make bracelets. I don't, you probably can't see it from there. But uh, there's beads on this bracelet. There's a black, red, white, yellow, and green bracelet uh, bead on the bracelet. And you tie them around the children's wrists or you make necklaces or, or things like that. Or you make flannel graph books and you, and, you, uh, and you have them available for them to carry around. And then with these bracelets, there was a song that we would often sing with the kids. My heart was dark with sin until the Savior came in. His precious blood I know 
has washed it white as snow. And then one day I'm told I'll walk the street of gold to live with him each day. I'll read my Bible and pray. It's just a tool. Something that allows us to begin a conversation. But we have a story in our hearts. We have a story in our lives that often remains hidden from fear. Unless at times we use these little tools to open up our mouths to speak the things that God is doing in our hearts. What is it that God has done? What is it that God is doing? There's been some who have illustrated it through the book of Romans. And they call it the Roman road. And if you've got your bulletin, you'll notice the picture of that on the front of your bulletin. The Roman road. And it begins... In Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each of us has a moral compass. Sometimes this moral compass is there because of tradition. Sometimes because of culture. Sometimes it's there because of our own making. But this moral compass reveals to us, when we're, when we're reflective and in, the, in our heart of hearts, it reveals that we cannot keep it. Even if we were to make our own decisions on how to live or what is right and wrong, at some point we realize we cannot keep it. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I pick myself up by my bootstraps, I cannot live the way I want to live, the way I hope to live, the way I desire to live. And I realize that, that all of my energy... Going into living this way is not working. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our first step along the road in Romans is to acknowledge that we're sinners. The second step is seen in Romans chapter 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I I connive and, and manipulate, in order to maintain this equilibrium in my moral compass, I fail. And in that fail comes death. Death of relationships. Death of emotional death. Spiritual death. Ultimately, physical death. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. We will sin, yet God has given us this gift. He's given us a way of escape, to escape the natural consequences, the spiritual consequences of our failings. The gift of God is eternal life. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, should not die, but have everlasting life. In John chapter 1.12, He says, He gave us the right to become children of God, if we believe in Him. Romans 5.8 tells us, While we were yet sinners, 
God demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still separated from God, Christ initiated the invitation. While we were still seeking our own way, Christ advanced an invitation and an opportunity. Christ died that we might have life. How does that work? Romans 10 tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Simply calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. Realizing that as a real person who lived, who breathed, who died and rose again. That he gives us by calling on him life. Romans 10.9 tells us that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess. That he alone is God. He alone is Lord. He alone is able to save us. And then believe in our heart. That the teachings of scripture where it says that God, that, that, that God sent his son that we might have life is true. That we are saved. Now here's the sticky wicket. Have you accepted that? For many of us, we look back upon our life and we see the time when we've asked Jesus into our heart. We may not know the exact day, we may not know the exact hour, but we know we've made that step. We said, Lord, you alone are God and I'm not it. You alone can forgive. I will trust you. I realize that in my own life, I can do nothing that is going to please God. Lord, come into my life. Thank you for the gift. And we've accepted the gift that Jesus has offered, that gift of eternal life. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And we realize that in his death and resurrection, we have hope. We have forgiveness. We have peace. A peace that passes understanding. We have life. That's our story. There may be some here this morning who are simply exploring that. My invitation to you is the invitation recorded from Scripture. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What's stopping you? 